Living resolutions. What are your New Year's resolutions? Why is there a document shredder and a pad of paper and a pen on the chancel today? These have been blessed. You may, at the end of the service, if you feel the need, use them. Write down on a paper your troubles of 2011 and shred them so that they do not follow you into 2012. Use it also to shred those worries that might hold you back from being your best self in 2012. I think I'm going to use it right now. In case you're wondering, what I just shredded was fear of the MFC. The MFC is the Ministerial Fellowship Committee, which is a big test I have to go through in March. So that's what I shredded. Today is the traditional day for New Year's resolutions. I suspect this habit arose in response to hangovers. Oh, my head, what was I thinking? I resolved never to drink that much again. Perhaps that response is the cause, but our resolutions here in the 21st century seem to be weak tea compared to the strong spirits they used to be in the past. A resolution should require one to be resolute, firm, settled, to end the murky consideration of mulling of choices to end fence-sitting and to end dithering back and forth. To resolve is to have decided, to have chosen, to have committed oneself to a course of action. Listen to the language of our ancestors, William Shakespeare. Be bloody, bold, and resolute. Laugh to scorn the power of man. Napoleon Bonaparte. The truest wisdom is resolute determination. Theodore Roosevelt. It is only through labor and painful effort by grim energy and resolute courage that we move on to better things. Pablo Casals, born in 1876 and died 97 years later in 1973, was a Spanish cellist and conductor. He made many recordings throughout his career of solo, chamber, and orchestral music, also as a conductor, he is best remembered for recordings of Bach cello suites made from 1936 to 1939. Casals was also an ardent supporter of the Spanish Republican government. After its bloody defeat in 1939, Casals resolved not to return to Spain until democracy had been restored. He never made it. it he did not live to see the end of the Franco dictatorship until... 1977. Pablo Casals, at age 95, was answering questions one day, and one of them went like this. Mr. Casals, you're the greatest cellist of the 20th century, perhaps of all time, and your career has been nothing short of spectacular. Why, at the age of 95, do you still practice six hours a day? Casals answered, because... I think I'm making progress. <laughs> he did not practice six hours a day because he made a New Year's resolution. He practiced six hours a day because he loved music, because there was nothing he would rather do than play music. Let us compare a sample of typical 21st century resolutions 
as collected from my Facebook friends. They resolve to try to reduce their weight, to try to reduce their credit card debt, to try to be a better person or parent or partner. What weak tea these resolutions are compared to Pablo Casals. How does your own personal resolution compare? To quote that wise and ancient sage Yoda in episode three, when speaking of New Year's resolutions, and he says, try there no is, only do or do not there is. Now, I would love to tell you that I am an exemplar of iron will and that I have kept every New Year's resolution I have ever made, but I have not. If my record of success at keeping New Year's resolutions is above zero, and my memory is not perfectly trustworthy here, um, it's only because I resolved early in life not to make New Year's resolutions once I realized how hard it was to keep them. My wife and my daughter are Catholic, and they have had reasonable success giving up things for Lent. And after Lent, they have generally continued to avoid the hard candy or French fries or other unhealthy indulgence that they've sacrificed for Lent. Perhaps it is the short 40-day duration of Lent that makes it easier for them to keep New Year's resolutions, or to keep Lenten resolutions makes it easier to keep than New Year's resolutions. And after the 40 days of Lent are passed, the rare occasional indulgence is viewed as an exception, a special occasion, not a failure. Perhaps this is a wiser method. New Year's and Lent are opportunities to act with intention, with purpose, with resolve, to improve yourself, to change yourself, And I hope to encourage you to change, to make a resolution to change yourself for the better, to change your life for the better. I have a simple spiritual technique for living one's resolutions. And this technique is guaranteed to succeed eventually. Before I tell you my deep and formerly secret spiritual technique, I want to issue a warning, a caveat. This technique is a necessary supplement to, but not a substitute for, professional help. Do get help. If you want to quit drinking or using and you have been unable to, please get help from Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. If you want to quit smoking or lose serious weight and you have been unable to, please see your doctor. There are several options for professional help for these life-threatening conditions. So, with the caveat out of the way, what is this sage advice, this can't-fail spiritual technique that will enable you to keep all your New Year's resolutions? It has three parts. Part one, resolve to change. Commit yourself to a course of action. Redefine yourself. Make the change part of your new identity. Say to yourself, I am a non-smoker. Or, I am no longer a carnivore, I am a vegetarian. Make the change part of your being. 
If you stand before the firing squad and they offer you a last cigarette, decline by saying, no, thank you, I am a non-smoker. <laughs> if they offer you a last meal, decline the meat with, I am a vegetarian. Remember resolute Pablo Casals, democratic musician. Do not do it because you made a New Year's resolution. Do it because it is now who you are. I recently, just a few years ago, made such a resolution, a resolution that changed my identity, changed how I think of myself and how other people think of me. This resolution enabled me to change my snarky ways, to think and to speak first in kindness, not in criticism, not in sarcasm. I resolved to become a minister. Part two. As Mark Twain once said, quitting smoking is easy. I've done it hundreds of times. That is part two of my sage advice to you. My can't fail technique. Simply keep resolving. If you lapse, forgive yourself and resolve again. The goal is still a good one. The reasons for change are still present and still good. So if you fall off the horse and nothing's broken, get back on the horse and keep riding. I have had great experience with this keep resolving technique. I have used it with great effect to reduce my cholesterol. I am a vegetarian five days a week. That's up from three or four days a week, so I think I'm making progress. A corollary to this part of the technique is to make your resolution clear and measurable so you will know if you break it. I will only nag my adult child once a day is more clear, more measurable, and a better resolution than I will nag my child less than last year when I don't even know how many times a day I nagged my child last year. Part three. This is the part that's spiritual. It is the hardest part. It is not hard to do. It is hard to decide to do. It is hard to commit to this part of the spiritual exercise, but it's absolutely required. If you are to succeed in changing yourself, what it is that you have to do is convert. Yes, convert. And if you think that you have already converted, well, good on you. But listen up, because you just may need to convert again. It's a medieval word, conversio, that needs a little unpacking. When our ancestors established free churches in colonial New England, anyone could attend. But to be a member of the church, you had to confess your conversion experience. It meant you had oriented yourself and your life to the good, not the bad. It meant you had chosen to live a goodly life, not one of self-satisfaction. It meant you had experienced the divine. Here I am using convert to mean change. I mean have a mystical, spiritual experience. Change your belief system. Change the basis, the orientation 
of your belief system. Change your ethical system, your action system. Change from the secular to the spiritual. Change from being self-referential to being other-oriented. Outer-centered. Universe-centered. Universalist. I know this sounds weird. I know this sounds outside ordinary human experience. I assure you it is not. I have seen conversions done regularly and on a schedule. If you join Alcoholics Anonymous or one of its sibling organizations, there is a point in the 12-step program where you're scheduled to convert. And everyone does or quits. You have to find, to have, and to name a higher power. You have to surrender your will. I know that sounds Islamic, surrender your will to God. But that's misleading, oversimplified, too specific. You have to admit that your will is not enough. You have to admit that you need help from a higher power. In Berkeley, California, as part of a graduate theology class, I visited a few AA and NA meetings. One of the AA groups I went to visit was for atheists. I wanted to see how that worked, and I wanted to see how many UUs were there. (laughs) It worked reasonably well. No surprise to a UU, atheists can do the 12 steps. There was one man who, when asked to describe his higher power, said it was a doorknob. He said it with such seriousness that no one laughed. He went on to explain that a doorknob has the power to open the door, the door that bars the way, the door to other opportunities, the door to a better life, to a normal, healthy life. He explained how this doorknob had been out of reach most of his life. And even when he reached it once and turned it, it had failed to open for him that day. He knew why. He had not changed his life, but merely reduced his drinking for a while. He had not committed. He had had seen others use the doorknob and make it work. He knew he was not yet ready. But now, with the 12-step program in the AA, he had faith. Faith that the next time he reached the doorknob, he would be ready and it would allow him entry. He was more eloquent than I am in this description. It meant a lot to him. If you are interested in AA for atheists or agnostics, you don't have to go all the way to Berkeley, California. There is an AA group that meets a few blocks from here called We Agnostics of Uptown. So what exactly do I mean when I say the third part of this spiritual technique is conversion, is to convert? Well, I know what it means for me, but you have to decide what it means for you. My most recent conversion, and yes, you can have more than one, came when I decided to reorient my life, to turn the focus away from more money and more security and more affluence to more joy and more peace, and more love. 
That conversion enabled me to simplify my life and to sweeten it. You have to decide what conversion means for you. I would describe the conversion experience as you need to be more spiritual about your change, about your resolution. You need to want to change. You need to have your spirit self lead your ordinary self through the change. You need to meditate on it. You need to pray for it. You need to be grounded. You need to touch the sky. You need to be in touch with the universe and in touch with the divine. Part four of my three-part technique (laughs) is don't do it alone. You will be more likely to succeed if you don't do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. There are all sorts of groups out there to help you, to go with you on this journey, including small group ministry at this church, especially including small group ministry here at this church. It is part of our mission to help each other with this change process, with living our resolutions. It is the mission of this beloved community to give, receive, and grow together. I guess I should tell you what my New Year's resolution is. I resolve to love. I resolve to improve my love. I resolve to be more conscious of my love. I resolve to be more intentional about sharing my love. I resolve to stand on the side of love wherever called. To implement this resolution, to practice it, to keep it in mind, to make it measurable, I resolve to say, I love you, at least once a day, to my beloved family and to my beloved community. I ask you to help me with this resolution because I don't want to do it alone. I love being here. I love you guys and gals and you kiddos and teens and you committee members and you board members and you congregants. I love you. Remind me when I said that in future when you ask me to do some chore and I make a face. (laughs) Remind me to say I'd love to. I love you. Come, let us live our resolutions together. Amen.